the whole story is a story about stories. It's about books and stories and imagination and reading and love of stories and how stories can not only help you escape, like um, like Matilda says, they're like a holiday in your head, but they also are like a key, right? She she examines, she's like using books as a way of unpacking the universe. And she also uses stories to to free herself, really. Hey everyone, I'm Bianca Schultz from the Children's Book Review, and this is the Growing Readers Podcast. I have a really fun episode for you today with some very awesome guests here to talk about Roald Dahl's Matilda the Musical, an adaption of the Tony and Olivier award-winning musical. Matilda tells the story of an extraordinary girl who, armed with a sharp mind and a vivid imagination, dares to take a stand to change her story with miraculous results. And to talk about it, I have Tony Award-winning director Matthew Watchus and screenwriter Dennis Kelly, who has adapted the Royal Shakespeare Company's production for the big screen. It features music and lyrics from musician and comedian Tim Minchin, who is also here today. And to top it off, you'll hear from Alicia Weir, who plays none other than Matilda herself. Before we get into it, here is the trailer for Roald Dahl's Matilda the Musical. What is your name? Matilda. Matilda Wormwood. This holiday season, experience the beloved story like never before. Featuring songs by award-winning artist Tim Minchin. Children are maggots. Matilda, you're extraordinary. Roll Dolls, Matilda the Musical. Directed by Matthew Warchus. Rated PG. Only on Netflix December 25th. Dennis, I believe that you grew up on Roald Dahl's stories, but you came to Matilda as an adult. So I would love to hear you talk about like, what really drew you to the story of Matilda and why you knew you wanted to bring Dahl's story to the stage and now to the big screen? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, yeah, that's right. I, like a lot of people, I sort of grew up with Dahl in, in my head anyway, you know, and uh, and but I think I was a bit older than the generation that sort of Matilda was re really sort of meaningful for. So I had to go back and read it. And I think what I loved about it was just was just the idea of this little girl just taking on the the taking on the powers that be. It was it's a really sort of re re revolutionary story, you know. But I think what I liked about her as well was there's a, there's a line that in the book I, I I can't ever remember it right, but he sort of says that you know Matilda could read, she was clever, she did all this, but actually if you met her, you'd really like her. You know, she was quite unassuming. She was quite just. A, she would seem like a normal girl and like. And I always want to write about normal people. I, I don't really write superheroes and, you know, um, queens and politicians. It's not that's not my stuff. I like writing people that are just as bad at stuff as I am, you know. And uh, I, what I like about Matilda is she just seemed like an ordinary girl. Yet at the same time, she's kind of a hero. Would you be willing to share just a little bit of your writing process? Because a lot of our listeners are readers, writers, and at hearts, they just love story. So, so what does it look to take such a sort of a 
you know, a well-known book and turn it into a musical and then turn it into a screen? So I know that's probably like a really long answer, but what's the short answer on on what that process looks like? The awful truth is, the blasphemous truth is, I read the book and then put it down. I, I felt that anything that I needed would stay with me and I could always go back to the book, you know. So I, I really read it once and then just went for it because I think you, you've got to make it your own. Like, so one of the things that's weird about Matilda is there, there's a couple of lines like, um, I think dinners don't microwave themselves, I think, is one of the lines I'm really proud of. And about a few years ago, I realised it wasn't mine. It was Raoul Dahl's. <laughs> And, uh, I, 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 and I might even have that wrong because I can't really remember which line I'm talking about. You know, but you, you sort of lose yourself. You, you have to make it your own. And you, it's not yours. You're stealing it from someone else. But you do have to make it all yours so that you can no longer see the differences, you know. And one way of doing that is is not to worry too much about what other people think, you know, what it means to other people. If Once you start getting involved in all of that, you you can't write. It's hard enough to write things without all these monkeys on your back. So you just have to... Keep it. It's you. It's the material. It's no one else. It's just you and that little girl. And actually, there's not much difference um, than turning it onto uh, on the screen. Like when when um, we started this process, it was really just me and me and Matthew were the only people that were talking. You know, we were, you know, and it was just it was small. And I think that's the only way you can write is to keep it small and solve those small problems. Yeah. Well, Matthew, what about you? You're the director. But did you read Roldal books growing up? Uh, yeah, I did a few of them. Um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, James Giant Peach, I think were the ones that were suitable for my age as I was growing up at that time. So Dennis said something just recently where he said that he'd heard um, Dahl's writing described as being written, um, that he was writing with relish. And I thought that is a really great way to describe it. There's such a lot of um, energy uh, in the writing and rule bending, uh, which is great. And I think the other thing that um, is particularly true of Matilda and, and true of everything that Dahl has written, someone once said that he speaks to the adults in children, to the adult in a child and to the child in an adult. And I think that happens over and over again. And it's a central theme in Matilda, this interesting play between adults and children and how sometimes, you know, that gets turned upside down. And there's various examples, of course, in Matilda where she's the adult and Matilda's the adult and the and the adults near her are, are childlike. I say that because I think that the depth that's in Dahl, as well as the entertaining relish and the colour and the, the mess of it and the energy, the depth, the emotional depth is a really important factor. Yeah. Well, and the the characters in all of his books are always just so unique and quirky and and particularly in Matilda, we've got such strong characters, you know. So, I'm just curious about the casting process. Like how like when you go into that, do you go in knowing what you're looking for or do you go into it and and waiting to be surprised and being like, "Oh, this is it. This is the person that's going to play this character." Like how how does that work for you with such like amazing characters to fill? Hmm. Um well, you know, the, the unusually, Dennis and I and Tim Minchin, who wrote the songs, we all worked on the stage version of this show as well, uh, which has been, which was about um, 13, 14 years ago, we were working on that. And, um, and so, and then, we, and then we're working on the, 
the film version now. And so we've had a, spent a lot of time with these characters and we've seen actually lots of different people play um, these parts. But there's always been something in common. And also the other thing to remember is that in the book, um, Quentin Blake did illustrations of the characters, which were very vivid and get stuck in your brain as well. And um, so they are a kind of outward kind of physical manifestation of the characters that's, that's partly uh, in your head when you're thinking about them. So, yeah, I, I think what I've found is that the way Dennis has written this and Tim has written it, um, the the performances, there's a, each character is an opportunity for a, re, a great actor to perform not only um, outrageous, exaggerated uh, performance style, but also to have um, a lot of truth, surprising amount of truth in them and detail. So they respond well to really, what I'm saying is they, they respond well to really good actors because the material is really good and um, they've got something to get their teeth into. Yeah. So that's actually the main thing is like really good actors are drawn to it. And I found that it's it, it was such a treat to be able to realize there was such a lot of enthusiasm for people who wanted to play these from people who want to play these different parts and such a lot of talent. And, and I think the cast we ended up with are phenomenal across the board. Yeah. Well, I don't want to give any spoilers away, but um, I think one of my favorite lines is Emma Thompson uh, in the scene. It's a little dark and she says, I've been busy, <laughs> but she like, I mean, you're everybody that's listening is just going to go have to watch the movie to know what I'm talking about. But just that little like me and such a simple little line. And it just I mean, I that was everything for me. That, that's a, you know, that's a real I think that's actually a really that line is a very interesting line because it's Emma brings what Emma brings to that is she brings this sense of absolute madness and danger, but also she's enjoying herself so much doing it that there's still an element of fun. And, and that's that's really important because you you need you need the danger that character needs danger. She needs to be dangerous. Otherwise, there's nothing for Matilda to fight against. But if she's too dangerous, you know, you've got kids running out, <laughs> running out of the cinema. So weirdly, Emma manages to do this really strange balancing act where she, you know, uh, allows it to be kind of terrifying, but also doesn't terrify you too much. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to hear if you each just have a quick highlight, like if you without obviously a spoiler moment, what would be a highlight either from just being part of the creation or when you're sitting down and, and watching the final product? Who wants to go first? Matthew? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, the whole process of making a big movie out of this, so creating more scale and scope and being able to be outside in nature by a lake up in the sky in the in the woods uh in rain and different weather these are things that i don't usually get. my background is theater directing and i don't usually get to interact with the weather and the and the natural world and i love being able to use my imagination and our imagination to say what if the story went here and what if the story went there so without like you say creating spoilers there are various moments where we go out and it gets bigger and bigger in, in a way that would be impossible to contain on stage. And that happens several times in the film. Uh, sometimes it's the scale of the number of people who are in the shot, 200 people in a shot. Or sometimes it's to do with where you are geographically or in the weather. Um, and I love that. It's a, it's a new, a whole new 
set of tools and emotional impact available, which I really enjoyed. I think for me, it's um, there's Matilda tells a story in this, which is totally my invention. And I remember the first time I uh, gave that to uh, Raul Dahl's widow used to run the Dahl estate. And I remember the first time giving, giving her the script, thinking this is really cheeky. I've just written an entire story and jammed it into this. And she was lovely. She really, she really liked it. And actually, it's a really like, it's the resolution of that story. I think the way we've done it in the film is the best it's ever been. And the story is very personal to me, not only because I wrote it, but just for personal reasons, like it's something that really means something to me. So to see that kind of realised in this special way uh, on screen is just, that's, I think that's probably my favourite moment. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, Tim. Hi. How so, are you? I'm good. You and I actually good. have something in common. We're both Australian. Uh, All right. So I imagine that, like me, you grew up on a pretty healthy dose of Roald Dahl books. Am I right? Yeah, it was completely ubiquitous, wasn't it? I mean, you're obviously younger than me, but it was pretty much in my childhood, Roald Dahl and then other. You know, it was uh, my first book I ever read, I think, was The Magic Finger, my first chapter book. And I read them all, every single one, really, and all the adult ones eventually, all the weird, perverted adult ones. But yeah, very, very influential, BFG, Danny Champion of the World, and uh, probably the least influential being Matilda because it was very late and I was a teenager by then, but I still read it because I had a little sister and I used that as an excuse to read it. I love it. That was the same for me, actually. We may not be too far off in age. Matilda was, I was on the cusp of not reading that. So I actually didn't come to Matilda until I was an adult. Um, right. But she's just such a, such a great character. Well, I really want to like dive into what it means to create music and lyrics for a, a show such as Matilda, for both the stage and now for the screen. I have created a couple of picture books. And when you're writing picture books, you have to leave room for the illustrator to breathe so that you're not just repeating the same stuff. So I imagine that there's some sort of dancing between creating music and lyrics that go with the script and the words that the actors are presenting. Uh, so will you talk to us a little bit about what it takes to create the music? Sure. That's a very good observation. And I like how you say words. And that's when the only time I can hear your Australian <laughs> words. Um, yeah, it, it is a, a dance. And perhaps like children's books, I don't know how much this happens, but it's a push and pull. So I came to Matilda with Dennis Kelly having already written an adaptation, a stage adaptation. He he He's a genius, Dennis, and, and he had read the book like once and then he put it aside and wrote this thing, including before I came on board, creating a whole subplot, which actually solved something, which the the novel the you have to do a, a novel a children's novel especially is very episodic it's chapter by chapter and a dal novel especially they're really vignettes um especially the first half of matilda where she's just doing tricks on her parents and stuff you actually need a better narrative through line 
And Dennis had solved that with the subplot of the acrobat and the escapologist. However, he had left places where he thought there should be songs and um, or where he and I, I guess it was just him. And uh, he had written some ideas for lyrics. And I said, please don't send me the lyrics. I don't want to know what you think the song should be about. Just send me the gaps, because if I'm if I'm going to do this project, you you have to. So to your point, you, you have to let me have space because because I'm an okay songwriter, but probably what I'm good at is having ideas for what the song should be about. And I don't need any of your ideas. You know, they might be brilliant, but I just can't, I can't have them. Um, so that's what happened. And then we sat down and sort of mapped out. I I did a whole flow chart with different colors, chorus number. This will be a ballad and different, different styles of song had different colors. So I could visualize what these songs would all be like way before I started writing them. And then I wrote them and yeah, um, I stood all over Dennis's work and he was like, well, you've rendered this scene redundant. And I'm like, yeah, sorry, bro. It's going to be a musical. And so he, that was really hard for both of us at times to, to let the other person's work take responsibility for that. Or that I, I had an idea for a song that that would sort of say the theme of this area of the musical is this and that that really what Miss Honey wants to talk about is her house as a metaphor for herself or whatever. And he would go through and then seed all the things you need to make sure that when it arrives there, it arrives there inevitably. And the wonderful thing about Dennis and I with Matthew's guidance and with Chris Nightingale, the music supervisor's guidance, rather than this push-pull process making us butt heads, it sort of made us fall in love. Like we just made it like it was tough at times and we didn't know each other initially so it was a bit like you know I'm from Australia and he's like from London and we were like he didn't know anything about musicals and I didn't really know you know we were just acting on pure instinct but um we just slowly realized we adored each other and we just like he wouldn't say that because he's like from London but um (laughs) but we just make each other laugh and laugh and laugh and um so it was completely joyous Excellent. That's my short. That's my short answer. I love it. I love it. Well, so I want to just dive into one specific song because it's kind of taking over TikTok right now, <laughs> yeah. and that's "Revolting Children." And I just love that song because of the just the anarchy and the whole energy between the music, the lyrics, and and all those kids charging down the hall. But we're not going to give away any plots here. Um, I just want to read the 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 lyrics here because I won't sing them. But we are revolting children living in revolting times. We sing revolting songs using revolting rhymes. We'll be revolting children till our revolting's done. And it goes on. And I just I just love how it all comes. And personally, because one of my favorite Roald Dahl uh, books revolting is Revolting Rhymes, rhymes right? right? Yeah, I stole my, that. Little Red Riding Hood uh, whips yeah. a pistol from her knickers. From her anyway, knickers. I've exactly. always remembered that. Yeah. So, so for me, when I was you know watching the movie and, and listening to the lyrics, like that just popped out at me right away. But yeah, on the bigger good. level, I love the the whole just the whole anarchy of it. So, how did that song uh, come about for you? Well, I mean, I think part of what's funny about the the TikTok thing is that that it's so out of context. I love that people love it, but but revolting children is the result of a lot of things we've planted. Firstly, it it it's a result of the whole. The whole story is a story about stories. It's about books and stories and imagination and reading and love of stories and how stories can not only 
help you escape. Like, um, like Matilda says, they're like a holiday in your head, but they also are like a key, right? She, she examines, she's like Cinderella, like, you know, oh, she doesn't do that verse in the movie. Um, but Jack and Jill went up there. She's like using books as a way of unpacking the universe. And she also uses stories to, to free herself really. And, and because of that, I, I wrote a score that was full of games with words and letters. And so there's a whole song earlier in the in the movie called The School Song where the alphabet is hidden within the sounds of the song. It's like a magic trick. And so we've planted this idea of that letters are the building blocks of words and words are the building blocks of chapters, which Eric describes as a chunk of a story, and that chapters are the building blocks of stories and stories are the building blocks of life, right? And then you have this moment when the baddie eventually says, we're going to have a spelling test and anyone who gets a single word wrong is going to choke you. So it all comes down to letters in the end, this whole story. And then we have this whole song that goes, we R-E-V-O-L-T-I-N-G, we we, we S-I-N-G, U-S-I-N-G, we sing songs using rhymes and will be r-e-v-o-l-t-i-n-g it is two l eight four u e r e vaulting it's just playfulness with letters and then of course it's also built on a pun that that we've built up this whole idea that matilda is a rebel that she has started a revolution so they are revolting they are it is a revolt and i'm not sure how many tiktok people have even got that <laughs> pun but it's a classic old pun, you know, the children are revolting. So it, so we've built all these building blocks leading towards that moment. And that, I mean, you know, I can be a total sort of, um, I'm trying to think of the non-swear word, W-A-N-K-E-R. I, uh, I, can, I can be a, up in my own head about this because this musical does work on lots and lots of layers. But Revolting Children is a song of revolution and it's got all this angularity with the seven eight time signature and stuff but in the end it's meant to make kids want to jump off desks and punch the air and stand up for what they believe in and sometimes that means fighting you know yes i loved it it was such a such a release it's such a release part of the movie um so i am curious because i love naughty and i love revolt revolting children i'm curious if you have a favorite song well quiet probably is always my favorite song because it's very unusual. Um, it's especially unusual for that moment in a musical, like that late, the the protagonist singing a song that goes that still. And it's actually very, very effective in the movie. It's it's always been very effective in the musical, but in the movie it's it's very beautiful, I think. I'm not talking about the song, I'm talking about the way it's it's done the way Matthew shot it and and Chris's incredible orchestrations. It's very emotional. It's also very special to me because it, I get lots of letters from parents and kids who are on the autism spectrum about that song. So I sort of accidentally wrote a, an ASD anthem <laughs> because a lot of autistic people and some really special people in my life have have identify that song as as being a, a real moment for them where they felt like they were seen. And so I, I'm very emotional about that song. Um, I feel very lucky to have accidentally done that because when you make stuff, and you must be the same, you you hope people have their own experience with it. That's the dream, right, is you you give them what you think it is, but they bring their stuff to it and you hope you hope that it means something to them and some of the stuff I've been told about that song, it's just, you feel, 
yeah, very, very lucky that 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 you've been able to open a door or something to to people like that. It's very yeah. cool. I feel like that's the magic of of art, right? It's yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, you just don't know who you're going to affect and how. But if you try and write something authentic, you've got a pretty good chance you'll affect someone. Somehow. Yeah. So you mentioned just a minute ago when you were talking about lyrics, and you were you said, "Oh wait, no that that's not in that, that's not in, the, in yeah. the movie." Yes. So yeah. I'm just curious with anyone that's maybe seen the stage production. There are a couple of differences. Do you want to qu- speak quickly on on yeah. what people could expect there? Well, it's it's a when when you've bought a eighty quid ticket and a and a fifty quid train seat and a hotel room, and you're taking your family to London to see a musical in in Seven Dials, or you've come to Broadway, you you know it's perfectly acceptable to have two and a half hours in the theatre. You know, you go in and you get this huge experience and you go out and get your popcorn and your, and your, and your drinks and you go back in and there's a whole second act and that's all fine. You can't do a two and a half hour long family film. It just, um, it's not acceptable. You probably can, but um, you don't want to, you want, you want people to just barrel through it. So a couple of the, the most fun songs in the musical, they're really sort of, cabaret moments they're like Mrs Wormwood's song loud is really a a satire I mean it says something about Mrs Wormwood but it it says stuff you could get out of two lines it's but really what it is is a quite searing satire on anti-intellectualism it's it's really about one of the world's great problems which is that loud opinions uh, get heard and good opinions don't. But in the musical, it's a celebration of that attitude. You know, it's like she says, the less you have to say, the louder you sell it. You know, and she says, what you know matters less is what you know matters less than the volume with which what you don't know is expressed. I mean, it's a it's a Trumpian anthem. You know, you just don't have time to spend that time in a movie, and you don't want to spend that time. You want to really stick to the protagonist and and to Miss Honey, and you want to get to that school, and you want to have them come up against the real enemy and Miss Trunchbull. You you just need that narrative drive. It's a different genre. So we lost that. We lost telly. The tough one was we lost Knock on the Door, the, the, that pathetic song, which speaks to Miss Honey's attitude about herself and has the fastest, fastest lyrics in a musical, very, very fast lyrics. It has perhaps, oh, wait, she's probably having a meeting or something and won't want to be interrupted, if anything, caution in these, that bit. Anyway, <laughs> we lost that. And we lost a couple of bits. We We cut Miracle down. On the other side, I got to write a new song to end the film, which for me is the greatest joy of this whole adaptation. As a writer, the greatest joy has just been watching it. But as a writer, I got to go back, sort of walk back into that that aesthetic playroom and um, and tie the whole thing up in a nice, neat bow. And um, I love that. I, I really like the new song. It's it's very simple, but very um, it it does its job. I think. Well, you definitely did your job. It's, it was such a joy to listen to such a celebration of music and capturing all the different emotions. And as I said, for me, it was the anarchy scene that just, you yeah. know, it does it for me. It's so but cool, isn't it? Thank you so much. It's a pleasure, Bianca. Well, hello, Alicia. Hello. Your sister posted a video of you online when you got the great news that you were going to play the role of Matilda. Do you want to tell us what went through your mind when you got that news? Well, um, so it was on my mom's birthday, the 10th of December, and 
I think I was just doing like some sort of class beforehand and my mum was like, um, Matthew, the director, wants to have a chat with you. So my whole family was there, my mum, my dad, my two sisters. Um, I didn't really know what to think or what to expect because I knew that so many incredible kids auditioned. So I didn't want to get too excited. I didn't really know what to do. I was quite nervous just to find out because I was just really like, I just really wanted to know. Um. But I knew that so many incredible kids like auditioned. So my sister was like, um, I'll record it and just see like what if it's a yes or a no. And she was like, if it's a no, then we'll delete it straight away. And I was like, okay. And then and when I got the part, I just burst into tears. I don't think you can really like plan beforehand what kind of reaction you're gonna have until you're in the situation and it happens. I just burst into tears. I think me and my whole family were just really, really shocked. We couldn't believe it. We after the call, we were just kind of like staring at each other, like, what, like, what do we do now? What what's just happened? Like we were just so excited and it was just amazing. Matilda is one of my favorite ever book characters. So I would love to know what was it about Matilda that you were most excited to even audition for the role? Well, I think that like even like from the book, from the musical, from the movie. I think Matilda is just a really iconic um, character. And I think everyone loves Matilda because she's just, no matter what age you are, I think we can all learn something off Matilda. So to get the opportunity to play Matilda was just absolutely crazy. And although it's since I've audition since I filmed it now that it's coming out it's very surreal and it hasn't sunk in yet (laughs) I don't know when it will but it definitely hasn't but I was just really really grateful to get the opportunity and I was really really excited to play and the part and when me and Matthew like talked about the character and how I was going to go about it like talked about some words that would describe her like strong and courageous so I was really really excited to play her. Yeah. So what kind of work did you have to do to really get into the mindset of playing Matilda? Well, I think when for me, when they said action, I just completely take myself out of my shoes. And that was one of my favorite parts because I got to play a completely different person um, and just leave myself completely behind when they said action um, and go through her life and how she would have felt and and just try to make it as real as possible and imagine that I was going through the situation like Matilda is and so when they said action I just tried to switch into Matilda and then when they'd say cut just switch back into Alicia. (laughs) (laughs) How does that feel at the end of the day? Do you feel pretty exhausted at switching between two different people? (laughs) No, not really. (laughs) That's good. Then you're obviously made for the job. I want to talk about some of the music and some of the lyrics that are in Matilda the Musical. So Tim mentioned he, he is the music composer and There's a specific song that is the first song you sing, which is Naughty. And I just, I'm going to read the lines. I'm not going to sing them because everybody will turn the podcast off. So it's just because you find that life's not fair. It doesn't mean that you just have to grin and bear it. And also there's the line, sometimes you have to be a little bit, and do you want to say it? Naughty. Naughty. Exactly. And I think that the message in that song just really sets up what the the movie is all about. Well, I think when you like listen to that song, it basically describes Matilda as a person and her character. It's just like 
when you like listen to it or if you're an adult or if you're a, a kid I think we can all like learn something off Matilda and even in that song sometimes you have to be a little bit naughty if you're put into that situation then it's okay to be and um, you're just giving them a taste of their own medicine like for their parents for her parents and for Trunchbull and um, so in that situation it's okay and another one of my favorites is quiet because that's really when you get to like listen to everything that's going on inside of Matilda's head and she just lets it all out and you really listen to the words that she's saying and the lyrics and I think that's another one that I just really like and when you listen to those songs you really feel like the character and explains who she is. Alicia since this is the Growing Readers podcast I want to point out one of my favorite lines that you say, and it's also why I'm a huge fan of Matilda, the character. She says, what I really like is reading. It's like a holiday in your head. I want to know, do you like reading? Yes, I do. I like reading and like we do it in school a lot. And like, um, I also like because I do like different types of sports and stuff like that. And I do like reading. I wouldn't be as big as a book nerd as Matilda but I I do really like reading and enjoy when we do it in school so yeah do you have a favorite book um well at the moment um, I'm reading a good girl's guide to murder I haven't I've only started it um but I really I'm really enjoying it I have a teenage daughter and she is also reading that book right now so that's really? fun I imagine that you're pretty busy right now with the movie pretty soon it's going to be on Netflix for everybody I, I imagine you probably don't really get a ton of time to actually sit down and read right now would that be fair yes because because it's like now coming out it's only kind of kind of kicked off and like um I go into two completely different worlds like and um, when I'm at home in school with my friends I'm just Alicia and then when I do this kind of stuff and interviews and press for Matilda and when I watch it I think I just go into a completely different world and I absolutely love both worlds but um yeah yes I think one of my favorite actresses is Emma Thompson and Emma Thompson plays Mrs. Trunchbull in Matilda and I want to know what it was like for you to work with Emma Thompson and I also want to know what it's like to be called a little maggot. <laughs> Children are maggots. Well, it was because like when I found out that I was going to be working with like all of that, like all of these amazing actors, um, I was a little bit nervous. But when I got there, they were all so kind to me and really made me feel welcome. And one of um, the bits that I loved the most was that I got to learn off of them and look up to them as such because they'd have they'd had a lot more experience than I had. Um, so I was really able to just learn off of them because there was a lot of things that I didn't know that they would. Um, so I was just trying to like be like them. Yeah. And what do you think about the Mrs. Trunchbull uh, character? Um, well, when I first saw Emma, she didn't have any of like her costume or her prosthetics on. And then when I did see her in all like her costume, I was it was it was scary. And um, but then when she went like put her arms out like this and all the kids, we just sprint over to her and gave her a big hug. So I knew that like under all the costumes and the prosthetics, there was Emma. <laughs> I love it. I love it. The, the, um, I think all the costumes and the makeup were so wonderful. 
So I want to ask you some rapid fire questions. So I'm going to ask you some favorite questions, okay? And what is your favorite song in the movie? Quiet. What is your favorite scene? The assault course. Who is your favorite character? Mm, um, is that too hard? <laughs> I like other than Matilda, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> too hard to play favorites. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, before we go, I would love to know, is there anything special that you would like to share with listeners or anything you want people to know before they come to see the movie or watch it on Netflix? I think that when you watch it, um, hopefully that um, all of the characters really intrigue you and you kind of go into this story with them and it's like you're really in the events with them. So I really feel like um, hopefully the main message that you take away and from the characters just to be really strong and have loads of courage and be really courageous like Matilda. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, Alicia, thank you so much for spending some of your day with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. You did an amazing job as Matilda. You should be really proud of yourself. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. And then to close us out, I have one final question. And you, what impact do you hope that this movie has on its audience? Well, I think that's an interesting question because you'd be surprised how you, when you're making something, you don't think about the audience and what they're going to feel too much. Other than I would say this, I. Uh, years ago when uh, Dennis first sent me his first script I was I felt very passionate about it I loved it and I felt excited about it and it made me laugh and it made me cry and it felt like it was hugely entertaining and also deeply moving and important somehow like it had a, a message within it or an idea within it for um, how to make the world better and it's very rare that an entertainment can contain such riches so I thought all I want is my job as a director is to try to make the audience feel some of those same things that they really care about it, they love it, that they laugh, they cry, they're entertained, and also they get a uh, something of substance from it as well. Yeah, wonderful. Well, Dennis, I want to thank you for being cheeky with the storyline because it was <laughs> so fun. I'm an avid reader of the books. I've been to see the stage production and now I've seen the movie and it's just so fun to just see it keep like, you know, finding new life and a new way to, to deliver. And it was just done outstandingly. But thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us on this quest for growing readers. Be sure to check out our show notes you'll find a link to the trailer of Roald Dahl's Matilda the Musical. If you like this show, remember, you can hear it on Apple Podcasts, Chromecast, Spotify, or anywhere else you enjoy listening. Subscribe to the show to get new episodes as soon as they launch. If you're enjoying our chats, please leave us a review. And while you're at it, tell a friend to come and have a listen. The Growing Readers Podcast is a production of the Children's Book Review. To discover more fantastic books, I hope you'll visit us at thechildrensbookreview.com. Mm -hmm.